0: I'm here. I'm sorry if there's a horn or a siren. I live in 120 square feet in Times Square. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Live
1: from Philadelphia, you're listening to Queerona, where Philip Moore and one of his ex-boyfriends, me, George Alley, come together with a group of avant-garde co-hosts and guests to discuss life, love, death, mystery, art, and whatever. So, welcome to Queerona. Hello, and welcome to Quirona season two, and today. Philip and I are joined by a famed guest, one of the most downloaded podcasts of season one. We have Anthony Joseph Hernandez, AKA Shimon Jackson with us. Greetings.
2: Hello, thanks for having me back.
1: How are things in New York? Things are good, yeah. um, uh, The pandemic was a
2: little strange, had to move back to New York and uh, things are going well. Working, doing
3: lots of hair.
2: Um, haven't had much time to do drag recently, but that should change soon as things normalize a little bit more.
3: Yes, listeners of season one may recall you hadn't moved yet. Yes, um, it, I was still in LA and
2: um, trying to figure out what I was going to do during the pandemic. And uh, um, with the opening and closing happening in LA, uh, I decided that it was better for me to come back to New York where work was a little more stable. Um, for uh, numerous reasons, being more connected here, as LA was relatively new when COVID hit. So um now I'm back, I'm busy, and yeah, things are definitely much better than they were last time we spoke.
1: When you
3: wish
1: upon a star makes no difference. I like your shirt, Anthony. I Thank you. It was a thrift find in Japan.
2: It was on the mannequin and I saw it and was like, oh my God, that's really cute. I wonder if it fits me. And so I asked the girls to take it down and one of them spoke very good English. She went to school like somewhere in the States for like a couple of years, she was mixed. They took it down and I tried it on and I came out of the dressing room and the girls were all like giggling and I was like, what the fuck is going on? And they're like, the girls have been obsessed with this sweater and were like wondering who would buy this sweater and they are so excited. <laughs> that you are buying it. (laughs) They're like, you are like the perfect person to wear this sweater. They were like, you look like a cartoon character. I was like, great, (laughs) thank you. So they were all like jumping up and down and like super excited that it fit me and that it like, it looked good. Yeah, so
1: thank you. Is Daisy on it or no? Yeah, she's Hidden in the back. Yeah, she's on the side. Daisy's always hidden. Have you noticed this? You know, when you like go to um, Disney World, they're all in the same place except for her. And she's like hiding. She's like in the behind the Epcot globe. Like, no, even no, actually, I never really. She doesn't have a like a place like the others do.
2: Yeah, if I'm standing up. You definitely see her. But when I'm sitting down, you just see this part. Yeah, but she's everywhere. She, she's here too.
0: Daisy was first seen in the 1940 short, Mr. Duck Steps Out, where Donald's pesky nephews get in the way of their first blind date. Her glamorous, high-maintenance personality would soon become a fan favorite and allowed her to become one of the staples for decades of the Mickey and Friends short.
3: Our guest today is a savory treat. He has been called the Andy Cohen of food. He is the queen of the Kitchen gaily Empire and the hostess with the mostess of a podcast called In Yo Mouth this podcast is the original queer food podcast and i'm a big fan of it it's a high energy show it's a lot of fun it combines food news and information gay history coming out stories sheds lights on on uh, people stories about people in our community and it is really uh a lot of fun and sometimes has a sexual innuendo or two <laughs> so it is a, a treat to welcome our guest today to the queer Ona family, please welcome Michael Munoz.
0: Hello. Thank you for having me. I, You know what? It's so uh, fun to do uh, other people's podcasts because I'm always the one introducing guests. So it's like I got goosebumps when you introduce me. <laughs> I came here today to sell my coconut cups from Gilligan's Island. I need to sell these because we have twin girls and as they get older it's getting more expensive. I'm looking to get $1000 for both. The least amount I'm willing to take is about 600.
3: I want to ask you before anything else. Th- this February is 3 years of doing your podcast. And is yes, that I am. Is that true that you've done it every week?
0: Yes, um, yes and no. <laughs> So the podcast started, In Your Mouth started as an idea I had in the shower because I hated my life and I hated work and I needed something new and creative to do. So I called up a girlfriend of mine and I said, we should do a podcast and name it Sausage and Tuna. And she was like, absolutely, but we can't name it Sausage and Tuna. And then In Your Mouth was born on February 8th. And then we did 80 fabulous episodes and she realized that she... Needed to like, you know, spread her wings and fly. This was like my thing. And it was pulling her out of her creative space, right? So with my blessing, she went on. And then starting from episode 81 on to what am I on now? Episode 156, 57. Um, It's been all me, all gay. The podcast has changed a lot. It has been highlighting um lgbtq stories through a food lens so we'll be talking about cake one minute and then growing up in foster care and coming out the next and so that transition there was a two-week break for me to like rebrand and restart and re but i've uh i said yes and no because i've made it up with bonus episodes so like some there were some weeks that like two episodes came out and whatnot so pretty much yeah every every week for three years nonstop. Don't miss Cal Ripken
3: 1983 World Series Bobblehead Day, Sunday, June 10th at 1.35. For tickets, call
0: 888 848 bird or visit Orioles.com.
3: That is amazing. You are the Cal Ripken of podcasts, perhaps.
0: It's it's a lot. It's it's a lot, y'all. You know? It is a lot. <laughs> and I feel it's like when you're waiting for the bus and you're like, this bus is never coming. But now I've waited 15 minutes. And so like you're like, well, I have to stick it out because... I've done it. That's kind of what it feels like. Well, I've been doing it for this long, so there's no stopping now.
1: Yeah, and it's hard, I'm sure, to make that transition. I, especially if you've made a podcast with someone else and you're sort of have this sort of partnership with them and an identity with them, it's hard to continue it afterward. I actually, that both of these people know that I had a podcast for many years in the aughts, and uh, once the other co-host left, it was I did it for maybe. I think I did two episodes after he left and I was like, I have no idea how to do this anymore and didn't know how to rebrand it. So I stopped.
3: Also ahead had the night on INN, for nearly a century, Coca-Cola has had the same distinctive taste. Well, hold on to your hats. It's being changed. We'll tell you how and how much when we come back.
0: It's an interesting beast for sure. Only because, I mean, we were always talking about food. It was always a little like innuendo-y, a little like, you know, risque. But I always wanted to turn up the LGBTQ volume and not nothing against her. You know, she was great. Uh, She was a cis, heterosexual, you know, defining female. And so once once we parted ways, you know, I got to I got to do that and wet my feet. And I thought it was going to be one thing. And then the next thing, you know, you know, the podcast like kind of bloomed into this very different thing that I never expected it to be. And I love every last minute of it. I don't think I'd change a thing.
2: How was it? Would you feel for the audience? Do you feel like you gained like, a different following? You kept the same following? Um, did it change at all?
0: I, th- I absolutely think it changed because of uh, the first few episodes out when um, people realized I went solo. It was really interesting. A bunch of people in the community, you know, the queer community, reached out to me being like, I love this. I love this new you. I love the new direction it's going. Let me know how we can help you. And these are people I didn't know, Mm. right? And so that was the most interesting thing about it because I think other people in this community kind of saw the direction I wanted to take it in and, and full on just blindly through their support behind me, which I'm so grateful for. That's great. Yeah, some of my guests have fabulous, fabulous, like, setups. Um, Nick Alcaraz from uh, Practical Peculiarities, uh, he does, like, all these, like, witchy witchy crafty magic-y uh that's kind of his vibe that he bakes in you know so everything has like this like dark mystical undertone and when he sat with me it was like this beautiful like what do you call those the, what, those boards with all the holes in it and like you like put like hooks or like little pegs and but it right. was all like really curated around him and i was like oh my god where do you live <laughs> Yeah, you know, unlike me, it's just me and Lainey Kazan over here in the background.
1: Welcome with me, Lainey Kazan.
3: Absolutely. Is that an autograph?
0: Uh, yes. Hello, <laughs> hello. It says to Michael, love Lainey Kazan. Amazing.
1: Is she your spirit animal?
0: You know, something like that. I think I love. I. I mean, I love Lainey Kazan, and her story is so. Is so incredible. I always say, I always say, and maybe this is a terrible thing to say, I said Lainey, if Laney Kazan is like the poor man's Barbara Streisand and uh Judith Light is the poor man's Meryl Streep. Like if Barbara <laughs> Streisand and Meryl Streep didn't exist, it would be Laney Kazan and Judith Light. It would that. take their place. Yeah. Yeah. I mean they stole their careers. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> George, good morning. Light is best
1: known for her very successful TV career. It spans more than three decades. But
0: now she's taking on a play that would be daunting for even the most experienced of actors. This, as she continues to defy expectations for aging actresses.
1: I could see In Your Mouth doing like a a spring break episode, you know, or even a like William Sonova stand, you know, like... (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah, you know like people cooking and then you're like <laughs> you're doing it you know well, when,
0: when we're all allowed to go back out again and and do things together maybe i should have like uh turn william sonoma into the club and <laughs> you totally. know what i mean <laughs> and have all the gays there well the
2: gays love william sonoma
0: already well, so you know so yeah just have just have all the gays there and and figure it out that way
1: I've been to the gay New York Williams-Sonoma with Anthony before.
0: Yes, yes, we've been. Did it you, is a place. Did you purchase anything?
1: It is. I think it's a good cruising spot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you get some good understall action in the bathroom in the, in oh. the back corner. <laughs> cruising?
3: At least I didn't. I don't know what Georgia's intentions were. <laughs> Which section is the best to cruise in in the Williams-Sonoma?
0: Le, Le Creuset. <laughs> I mean, right? Because of, of all the deep-bottomed uh, Dutch heaven.
1: dishes. <laughs> Here's to making it look easy, with a lot of passion and a little help. Le Creuset a great recipe lasts forever. Well, you know, like <laughs> you know, afford something. You know, if they can afford le Creuset then you know, there's a sign that the apartment is going to at least be nice, and then perhaps get something else out of it.
0: Oh, 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 is that how we work? I've been missing out. That's how George I have been cruising the wrong way. Yeah. (laughs) Meanwhile. Meanwhile, here I am on the floor of the dirty tiled bathroom. (laughs) You know? Looking for some peppermint bark. Right. (laughs)
3: Now, I saw on uh, your Instagram that usually you go to Spooky Bear.
0: I do. Oh, my my God. God. Oh, how I miss Spooky Bear. P-Town. You know what? Spooky Bear is the most amazing and stupidest thing in the world because these queens out there, and, you know, I'm lumped in there. I am lumped in there before you all, once again, at me. These queens out there are just running around naked on the tip of this peninsula of Cape Cod, right? in the freezing cold. Yes. Freezing. Yeah, how is it? at that time of it's year. It's freezing. It's freezing. And the first year me and my friend went, we were like, we're going to be so cute and so warm in all like the fleece onesies. No, we were like the basic the most basic bitches around. Right? Cuz that's all that's all we brought. Then yeah. the next year we upped our game, right? Cuz there has to be a tea dance costume and then a going out nighttime costume. At least. And yeah. At least, at, at least. least. And we still didn't have enough costumery.
1: Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. All is well in Provincetown because you're here. Welcome.
0: No. Wow. And then for some reason, there's not a coat check to be found anywhere. So you're like, really? You're going to have all these people in costumes and it's freezing out and you can't afford a, a to put a, a, coach. A, a coat check someplace? I think I it's love a- it.
1: Big sort of problem with the gay community is, you know, that sort of strife that we all experience when we want to, like, reveal our our nipples, but we also have to (laughs) carry a coat, you know, that sort of struggle.
0: I am known to play a good game of fuck the coat check, especially here in New York City. Right. So you leave like if you're going to the Eagle and it's like jockstrap harness night or whatnot. Right. And so you have your T-shirt, you have your cute jeans on, your harness underneath, maybe your jockstrap underneath or something. Fine. You fuck the coat. It's the middle of winter. It's freezing. You literally call the Uber. You hop in the Uber. You hop out at the Eagle. You go in, you take your T-shirt off, put it in the back of your uh, in your back pocket, you know, keep your pants on. Sorry about it. And and that's how you flow for the night
1: yeah
2: uh, i mean you leave the
0: coat in the uber no you just don't take one. Oh, you, you just don't take, don't take one, one. <laughs> yeah. oh, yes you leave the coat in the uber and then have it bring it have it wow. bring it back to you like three is, hours like, later
1: like what coats are you like willing to lose all the time
2: <laughs> to the gays they'll just bring your coat back to you the next day
0: you know you know it, it was an Instagram purchase, you know, so, <laughs> so whatever. It, it took three months to get to me and it doesn't fit anyway. Right. So I, la- I left it in the back they, of the Uber. Thought
2: it was gonna be.
1: <laughs> or you could just pretend that you would lost it and then do the whole like, I lost my coat in your car, you know, but really you've left it there. And you could just <laughs> repeatedly do, <repetitively> do that. <laughs> I
2: feel like they would catch up.
0: Yes. I mean, I like I like my Uber rating at like... 4.92 stars. I want to keep that. Right. Yes. Thank you. It's important. To,
1: what do you think, Michael, about this whole um, air fryer uh, oh. thing going on for quarantine? Everyone is getting an air fryer. This trend. Yeah,
0: um, so do you boys know what an air fryer is, essentially? No. Is it a crock pot mixed with a toaster no, it's a, it's oven? I mean, a I have one. Oven. It, it's a convection oven. Right. Air fryer is like the Mexican food of like kitchen appliances. You know, you know how a taco is really just a burrito is really, just you know, it's just like the same food, just packaged differently. Right. Right. So that's what it is. Someone was like, you know what? People don't really understand the convection oven. But if we put it into a smaller package and name it an air fryer, right, it's just a it's high heat and a fan that circulates the heat around the food. So you're really not frying anything, right? But I love an air fryer. I mean, my uh, really cute Braille, um oven, air, smart air oven, not a sponsor to anybody, uh, unfortunately. Uh, but um, there's an air fryer function there. I throw tortillas in it all the time. Five minutes later, you know, I got chips that Perfect. weren't fried, that weren't like dipped in oil and things. Delicious.
1: I made a quiche for Philip last night on the reheat.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: You heat um, up the keys. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I didn't make the keys.
2: <laughs> it was very... That's impressive. a lie. Thank um, you for clarifying fellow.
1: Yeah, thanks. I, you know what I think too? It's like um, an air fryer or a convection oven is like a, the easy bake oven that we all wanted as children but weren't allowed to have.
0: Once yeah. again, except for uh, they're not using light bulbs. These are using, like, fancier things. But basically, it was a really hot light bulb and a fan. Yeah. the
3: mix, it's
1: lots of fun. Bake 10 minutes till it's nice and done. You can ice the cake but you bake in an Easy Bake Mini Wave oven. Betty Crocker
0: Easy Bake Mini Wave Oven with Betty Crocker Mixes from Kenner. Did you have an oh. Easy Bake Oven as a child? No, I didn't. I didn't have any. Anything like that? Um, I was very blessed, and my parents took very good care of me. Um, as far in the toy department, right? But we had like, you know, uh, we had a lot of figurines. Mm. Oh, we had yeah. a shit ton of figurines because my dad used to work in as a mechanic on those like big Mack trucks, and sometimes like those big cargo trucks. If the cargo was damaged, they couldn't like load it up. So they would just leave it in the warehouse for the mechanics. And a lot of times it would be like a refrigerator box full of Sesame Street figurines or a refrigerator box full of like Ghostbusters or whatever. So like we had a crap ton of that that my dad would bring home. And growing up in Brooklyn in the 80s and 90s, um, we were it was old school, boo. Get out of the house. We were out of the house on the block, running up and down the street, playing freeze tag, playing uh stick ball, me and my best friend at the time growing up, also named Michael, we would tie a uh, milk crate to a telephone pole and burn out the bottom. And that would be our basketball hoop.
1: So when did this sort of interest in food come to play for you? Was it as a child or later?
0: Um, a little bit as a child, if i I mean, growing up in a Puerto Rican household, somebody is always cooking something. there was there's just always your and the love and the process and the time that you see go into it, right? It's you can't miss it or not appreciate it because, You know if if you come from a household no matter what ethnic background or not right where people cook like it's like oh this is good and you can tell that the love that was put into that so yeah a little bit but i was a musical theater baby you know went to school for classical voice uh and then at the end my voice teacher and mentor was like you're gonna go home and live with your mother and get a restaurant job and pound the pavement right, to do the musical theater circuit. And that's what I did for a very, very, very long time. And I worked a ton all over the place, uh, thankfully. And 2009 came and I had like three jobs, four jobs in a row. And when you're doing that sort of work, that sort of like art, artistic work, you know, you live in this bubble and no one teaches you to think ahead what's next it's just like oh my god this is amazing i'm working and you know i'm dancing my face off or singing my face off on stage and doing lifts and splits and this and that and no one's thinking that oh my god there's a recession happening around me right i'm about to have no work and so 2009 hit and I found myself on my mother's couch, no work, watching a whole lot of Food Network. And Food Network at the time was full of beautiful things like Giada De Laurentiis, Zina Garten, you know, even maybe Rachel Ray at the time. And it was stunning, you know, but it wasn't exciting. Cheddar cheese stuffed
2: cauliflower. I'm trimming the base of my cauliflower, make it a little bit flatter and more stable. But we're going to keep the cauliflower whole. So what we're going to start with a little bit of boiling water and we're going to add
0: some salt. And we're going to basically... I was longing, I grew up watching things like Graham Kerr, The Galloping Gourmet, I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember, or like even Julia Child. Um, and Emerald. Emerald's show was based in that too. There was a sense of showmanship. There was a sense of pizzazz. There was something extra as opposed to being, you know, look at this beautiful plate of food with these foraged mushrooms from, you know, the Andes Mountains and where, where there's a time and place for that. And it's stunning, but It just wasn't the aesthetic that was happening at the time. So I was longing for that, number one, and then number two, sitting on this couch and realizing that there wasn't a face like mine on the television, right? There wasn't a queer face, there wasn't a Latino face, right? Or even a person of color um, really on the network, like representing the people. And so the journey started and I had already been in and out of a million restaurants, high end to low end in this city, right? Front of the house to I've done everything from like cooking apps to right out of necessity, not because I was hired to cook hors d'oeuvres <laughs> at these <laughs> restaurants. Out of, like someone didn't show up and I was like, there's 300 people here. We got to we got to get this done Right. Uh, to to like managing and running events and then I ran a really popular food blog for a while, uh, and that's a a whole different story. Um, And that went away. And then, you know, I did uh, a lot of like the Food Network or other network like cooking show competitions, like we're calling forever. I mean, I had a catering company that I ran for a second. I fell into baking custom cakes, like crazy custom wedding cakes Uh, Because the owner of Flaming Saddles here in New York, it's a straight couple. They're very lovely. He was like, hey, Jackie's birthday is coming up and uh, I hear you cook and we love you. And would you make her a purse cake like a Chanel purse cake? I was wasted. And I said, sure. Sure. The next day I woke up and I called my best friend. Again, Michael, different Michael. And I go, I think I promised Chris I was going to make a purse cake for Jackie's birthday. And he was like, good luck, bitch. I don't want to be anywhere near you.
2: <laughs> and while you're at the store, see Cookie some and more. And don't forget about it. Hug Me the Best.
1: Your participating Carvel dealer also has Hugging
3: Me the Bear
2: and... I liked what you said about like representation and not seeing you on TV or, you know, seeing someone who looked like you and how that also kind of inspired you to, you know, do you feel that um, since you've begun this journey, that there's more representation now?
0: No, not in the least bit. No. Not in the least bit. Um, Jake Cohen, who is a fabulous queer Jewish... Foodie, he's huge. He's huge on the internet. Um, shout out to you. I love him to death. But we we had this conversation on my podcast, and he was like, There still isn't, there still isn't. And the food media world is going to have to catch up because it's not it's not this like white, male-dominated world anymore, right? Mm -hmm. And like, and as for all the good things that Guy Fieri is doing for the people out there during the pandemic, right? 24, like seeing him on repeat, right? Alongside Reed Drummond on the Food Network during the weekend. You know, and nothing against the Food Network. It's just like, it's time for someone to wake up and catch up. And I have been, you know, I don't love so like tooting my own horn like this, but I have been like kind of shouting this from the rooftop since 2009, being like, hello, mm-hmm. I'm here. Hello, we are here. And now more so through this podcast being like, we're here. We're here. We're yeah. doing the thing.
2: Well, I mean, every person in your background brings a different cuisine to the forefront, you know, and I feel like, you know, it's kind of in a, especially in a culinary world, I feel like it's really important to have that. And you're, I think you're right. You know, there, as with a lot of things, there isn't representation. Like my friend has, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Shaquanda's hot sauce.
0: I haven't, but sense yes. get some. My, hey, Shaquanda, I need some hot sauce. Hey, Sha- <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, um, Should be a good guest for drag, In Your Mouth. So he would be a very good guest for In Your Mouth. Yeah. I think you guys would actually get along very well. I just had dinner at his place last night. I'll hook, I'll connect you guys. Uh,
0: Hook it up because, you uh, know, this queer foodie well is running dry very quickly. Yeah.
2: So, I mean, he he's great, but he's kind of had the same experience where I think a, a little bit in the opposite way because he's a drag queen who has his hot sauce and he's, um, you know, biracial and, and all of this. And I think people like it, you know, it's not obviously the hot sauce is delicious and that kind of speaks for itself. The product is there and it's good. But I think he finds that a lot of the draw is like, you know, being um somebody who isn't white (laughs) who is also a drag queen and kind of that diversity and it kind of you know brings all of these different types of people that are interested in that drag being so popular now as well and then obviously you know having the representation of you know it's it, it really does i think help in some ways but then in other ways you know it's weird that there isn't more of it yet which i think will you know hopefully change but
0: yeah and listen even the drag queens um are are in it in this food game, right? That's one. Yeah. The Shikwanda's hot sauce. Then there's uh, on my pod. The first drag queen I had on was um, Melody Lucas, Christian Fairlove. Hi. Hey. Then there was Astala Vista, right, mm-hmm. doing all the keto things. Wow. And then most recently, uh, Susie Wong, Arnold Mint. Oh, yeah. Who, Sus-
2: I mean, yeah, Susie Wong, yes. who has like three <laughs> so restaurants.
0: Susie Wong, yeah, wasn't she like gonna be on like a TV show or something? She was on, um, she was on Next Food Network start, if I'm not mistaken. Or
1: yeah, dropped. she or was. Both. On, she was on yeah, it. Yeah. 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 Remember we both. met her once, Anthony.
2: Yes. Yeah. We we like exchanged information, and I. I don't. I'm
0: obsessed. I'm obsessed with Arnold Mint. Uh, go go to Arnold Mint M Y I N T on Instagram, and he's always putting out all the delicious Thai food. And he has his niece, who is this little Spitfire of a little girl, being like, "Okay, today <laughs> we are making." <laughs> she is everything I live. Right, and Suzy Wong is everything. I mean, let's not get it twisted. The drag queens are in the For food sure. game too. I mean, do you guys uh, remember so- Brittany
1: Maxwell? Yes, yes. Brittany Maxwell back in the 90s doing like home slash food, kind of like a Martha Stewart. I I was obsessed with her. She was kind of like, she's a little bit like um, Todd Oldham in a way, but like mixed with Martha Stewart, mixed with like Miss Cracker, you know? To me, what's more baffling and like, even like if you look at like food served in like a high end bathhouse, for example, like the bathhouse in Cleveland, (laughs) it's always like I love I love
0: some bathhouse cuisine.
1: (laughs) I'm not kidding. It's always like heavy mayo, like beans, like things that you would not want to eat if you were going to participate in any activity at that bathhouse. And it is Fiber. <laughs> right. And there's like a weird yeah. thing about gay food in general. Why is it so like it's not like California cuisine. It's high caloric stuff with mayo.
0: Yeah. At um when if my friends back when we were traveling if we were in Fort Lauderdale or maybe Montreal or something and our flight was late the last day, cause we wanted to like experience the city or whatnot, what we would do would, uh, would be is take our luggage to the bathhouse and get a room, you know, cause you have a room right. and then like club Fort Lauderdale, like you could just sit out by the pool naked and tan, but they have like Sunday brunch and it's all like creamy things and like, you know, things you're not going to eat if you're, Walking through the hall, the dark hallway. <laughs> <laughs> come to Man's
3: Country, see what we're all about and what we have to offer. Come to Man's Country and develop your body, or a friendship with somebody else's. Visit us once and you'll come again and again. I also read that it is <laughs> National Girl Scout Cookies Weekend.
0: Oh, oh, oh! Favorite Girl Scout cookie? Well,
1: it's thin, I think it's called oh, Thin Man. Yours for sure. Mine is definitely. um, I forget what they're called now, but we used to call them Samoans. Yeah,
0: Samoas, Samoas, Samoans. Yeah, did they change? They had to change that name, right? What did they change? It's like a description. Hold on.
2: It's like it's like a description of the cookie in a way. I can't remember what it is though.
0: Like coconut surprise or something. Coconut dreams, right? Something like that. Maybe Samoas are now called caramel delight oh there you go caramel delights do doughs are peanut butter sandwiches and tagalongs are peanut butter cookies and trefoils are shortbreads look at that i would wow. not
1: call it a caramel delight because to me that's like the secondary note of that the coconut to
3: me is the first coconut thing dream was the, was a good name it, it was a dream
0: why well, didn't they consult know? me Put on, a wig, put on a wig and take it to the stage. Ladies and gentlemen, now presenting Miss Coconut She's a Breeze.
3: She's a breeze. All
0: right.
1: I'm Marianne, and this is Going Nuts
3: with Coconuts.
1: Today, we're going to make a coconut cream pie that the kids are just going to love. Oh, I got to be honest. I am so sick of coconuts, I'm going to lose my mind.
0: My brain works like that. Like, you give me the drag name, and I can, like... Envision the whole thing, top to bottom, you know? <laughs> Wait, and all you wear it? is Miss Coconut. All you wear is Miss Coconut Dreams. is like white, fluffy things. Yes. Oh, yes. And, and then it would be Coconut Shreds.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. When I do like the makeover challenge, it'd be whoever. It'd, like could be like a rough guy and he'd be like, Coconut Shreds would be his name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and there'd be all this discussion on the pit stop about how I'm always wearing white and how it's annoying. It's like I'm the next Tina Burner.
0: You wear any other color? Well, no. The thing would be is that you have many different shades of white. You have like winter white and off white and eggshell. But they clock you for always wearing white, and you don't get it because you're like, I'm not. This is eggshell. This isn't white. You know?
2: Right. Totally. Now, if you only have all white wigs as well, I think that would be a nice
1: touch. And I could like describe. Yeah, I would use different, uh, like descriptions of these colors and I would get some sort of Pantone sponsorship
3: after the show. Yes, yes. All about the sponsorship. That's right. Right.
1: Paul, add the sound of a doorbell ringing. Ooh, now add the sound of a wild tornado. Okay, and now how about the sound of someone having an existential crisis? Ah! How does Queerona have such professional editing, you might be asking? How do we get all these amazing international queer special guests? And how do we get these illustrious interstitial sounds? Also, how do you cook a lobster thermidor in the air fryer? Well, all of these questions are answered for and paid by sponsors like you. Check out Patreon at patreon.com slash Queerona or Venmo a sponsorship to us at George Alley, A-L-L-E-Y, and we will shout you out or offer early access to our entire season, two. Interested in Queerona merch? Let us know. For this season, we'd love to thank Mark Sykes and Pamela Trow for their generous sponsorship. Okay, Paul, let's close with an Alexis Carrington moment. At six o'clock, I like to slip out of my shoes and into something more comfortable, like a drink. So, Philip, why don't you begin?
3: My thing for this week now, folks who listened last year will know I mentioned Turner Classic Movies. And one thing I love about them on, on the cable is that they curate... A list of movies and then that rotates so in a world that we have endless options it's nice to actually have fewer options and see what's there and you haven't seen before well just this week i watched a 1975 movie called friday foster which you may or may not have heard of it's super fun pam Greer movie it's based on a early 70s comic strip which was one of the first characters this this woman is a uh, reporter photographer reporter and she's one of the first like protect uh, black protagonists female characters in the comic strips then they make this movie in 1975 it's got all the uh, hallmarks of the black exploitation movies with murder and car chases and topless shower scenes and you know hostages and empty warehouses and political uh corruption murder of course seduction in a hot tub but my favorite thing about this movie is all the guest stars in it so i was making a list of it or not guest stars but stars of this movie so pam greer's in it carl weathers is in it who's still making news of course in the mandalorian today Um, ted lang who we know from the love boat as isaac the bartender he is in it yafit kato who we know is in the um, my favorite james bond movie to live, uh, live and Let Die. He is the villain in that movie. Eartha Kitt is in the movie. Scott Crothers is in the movie, who was the voice of jazz in the um, Transformers 1980s cartoon and is in The Shining. And perhaps most bizarre of all, Jim Backus from Gilligan's Island.
1: Since is mm. mm. that, uh, you know, this whole uh, Free Britney movement has come into the public mindset lately i've been thinking of another 80s star i guess britney is not an 80s star but she was sort of because of her time on the new mickey mouse club which i've already mentioned i have a connection to but (laughs) but i've been thinking about another person who also was a guest on the new mickey mouse club and that is of course 80s starlet tiffany who also experienced much of the same sort of animosity, sexism, and um, general oppression. And in fact, she had to divorce her parents. I don't know if you guys remember this. Because they were taking all of her money. I've always felt a kinship with her because she's half Lebanese and a great singer. And um, there was a documentary about her in 2008, but it wasn't really about her. It was about her stalkers. And it was called, I Think We're Alone Now, named after her number one hit, um, which was a cover. And uh, it's about these people who are completely mentally ill that are stalking Tiffany. But because Tiffany doesn't have the same sort of protections that maybe Rihanna or Britney... Uh, have, because of she doesn't have the same amount of money, um, she's having to deal with these people way more than, um, you know, someone like that would. So it's kind of interesting thing to see about fame and about how we treat people and how Tiffany, like, and Debbie Gibson and these, you know, stars, these women were so objectified and villainized and how, How we you know even when they both came out how they were um this documentary doesn't talk about this but you know how they both were pitted against each other you know you either like debbie Mm -hmm. gibson or you like tiffany but i think that this documentary is fascinating and i also think tiffany herself should write a biography herself but i would check out this film it's fascinating it's called i think we're alone now and it's on netflix
2: as you know i just recently moved into my apartment so um something i have been finding when i come home and kind of have nothing to do i found a whole bunch of like vintage thrift stores and like furniture stores that are local um and i did kind of the same when i was in la because i you know had moved there and was looking for stuff too and i found even some that are queer owned you know and just kind of It's kind of fun. I love thrift shopping and I love like vintage furniture and vintage clothes and all kind, everything vintage. So, um, you know, right now we can't really, you know, we don't really shop in store as much and we're not really doing that. So it's kind of been a way for me to not only curate my apartment and get stuff that I need, but just sometimes just browsing and just going to these stores and whether it's clothing or whether it's furniture, whether it's decorations for my apartment. And yeah, it's been kind of fun to do. It's kind of like looking at real estate, <laughs> except for it's slightly more affordable and attainable. It's kind of the same um, lane as that. Um So, yeah, I mean, and then also, I guess, like I said, finding some queer owned like thrift stores and stuff like that that are in New York um, that I can, you know, also support the community and go back to the community as well, which is kind of nice. So, you know, if you like shopping and, you know, all of that, I feel like it's, you know, it's good for the environment. You're recycling as well. (laughs)
0: something that's bring that has brought me joy uh that lets me wind down because i'm not you know there's so many new things to watch bridgerton and uh that's a sin and whatever else is out there that people are like gagging over and i haven't been doing any of that i've actually fell down an america's next top model hole and so i watched 22 cycles of america's next (laughs) top model beginning to end wow i've also (laughs) Yeah, I also started The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills from the beginning. That's a lot. Sometimes I have to take a break for that because because I'm so immersed in it. My conversations with my friends become sort of this like reality television (laughs) because I'm like, it's just too much. And then I'll have like a side to be like, I can't believe he really said that to me. Like, what an asshole.
2: (laughs) like you're in a confessional
0: yeah it's, it, it gets bad right because i'm alone and ridiculous. <laughs> do you think that you're like on the show suddenly yeah like yeah because i'm so immersed you're like yeah there, after 22 cycles of america's next stop i challenge anybody out there to do exactly that and tell me please write me and tell me that you are not every selfie you're taking you're not like adjusting and smizing and and tooching and booching and and doing all the things for this camera my friends were like you need to stop you look crazy
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you can find me uh on instagram uh michael munoz at the kitchen gaily and that's gaily with a g not daily with a d because daily with a d goes duh not ja. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Thank you for all you
0: and for all you Liz Minelli fans out there. Um you follow the podcast at In Your Mouth Pod on Instagram and Twitter as well. The podcast is found on every podcast platform imaginable at this point. Uh if you just kind of want to know a little bit more about me and my background, you can go to the ww.themunios. That's M-U-N-O-Z.com, themunios.com. And there you'll see video clips and get my bio. And you can write me love letters or you can buy merch for the podcast and and things like that. Yeah. And you can see my writings for the magazine that I used to write for too. That's there. All sorts of things.
1: And Anthony, if people are intrigued to get their hair done in New York City, where could they (laughs) locate you?
2: Um, So I take clients at Cutler Salon, um, but all the information you need is also on my Instagram. It's A-J-H hair, two H's. That's where you can find me.
3: You have been listening to Queerone. Quirona is George Alley and Philip Moore with a series of rotating co-hosts, including Matt Ray. Theme song, Undivided Attention by George Alley, available on iTunes. With editing by Paul Schuler and Philip Moore. And interstitial music by Elise Carver at Elise Carver Music. Thank you for listening and follow us on Instagram at Quirona underscore podcast.